Hey guys, so welcome back to another episode of the Black Create Connect podcast with myself, Alicia Latoya. And today I have my, this is going to be my favourite guest, by the way, guys. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) This is my best friend from school. Hey. Hey, my best friend. She's my real bad bitch. Kind of old man. She don't mean no man. This is the first time I've ever sworn on the podcast. So you know say it's special because, yeah, this is like Nadine is a boss. Like she currently works for Google. Okay. <laughs> don't roll your eyes because you know say working at Google is a big thing. I know, I know. Like, she, Alyssa to gas me and I love it. This is what sisters and best friends are for. But yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, Nadine, Nadine, has, Nadine works for Google. She's, she's also worked for um, Microsoft, Adobe and even back in the day cheeky little Foxes. And a McDonald's too. You know, started from humble beginnings. <laughs> I'm a McDonald's. Yeah, chasing the pennies. Why not? <laughs> for the burgers too. <laughs> For one hour. Yeah, why not? Free, free nuggets. <laughs> you can play with that. Oh my gosh. Okay, so obviously I brought you on a podcast today because I think that you're you're amazing and you're an inspiration, and I think you can offer a lot of advice to the younger generation. But let's take it back, back, back in the day, school days. Do we have to? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's take it back. Okay. So when do you remember meeting in school? I do remember meeting the school. <laughs> I remember our friendship, you know, taking a bumpy ride before we got to a place where we were like, actually, yeah, we vibes, we like each other. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? It's weird because we wasn't. Were we friends in school? No. We were towards the end. Towards like, the end, yeah. Around like 15, 16. Yeah. And yeah. then we had this stint where we found out that we could potentially be cousins. Yeah. And that brought us closer together. That bonded us still. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like, I remember you grew up. Um, you went to a private school. Yeah, I did. So I came to St. Andrews with a white voice and everyone was like, why does she sound like this? <laughs> and I think that's why you didn't want to hang out with me. She's, she's weird. She sounds like a Karen, but she looks black. What's going on here? Okay, so just, okay, so disclaimer for anyone listening right now. When we say white voice, it's not offensive to anybody. Nobody take offense. What yeah. we mean by that in um, terms is when our voice sounds much more prim and proper yeah. than the... <laughs> <laughs> then, the, then, the, then the community that we were around before yeah. however obviously we've been educated now and we do believe that no matter what you look like you can be well spoken yeah, exactly. we don't associate well spoken people with being white but yeah. back in the day just because of our surroundings yeah, that's how it was normal to hear someone that sounded like me basically. exactly it wasn't yeah. so yeah how how was that transition when you kind of came honestly when you came from um the school that you were from and came to st andrews that was predominantly, not predominantly, it's kind of balanced actually, St. Andrews, but I came to school where there's more black people. How was that for you as a It was child? a bit of a culture shock. Like I wasn't actually meant to go to St. Andrews. I was meant to continue in private school. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I went through a lot of bullying being the only black person in my class. So I actually asked my mum, can I go to a school with really? people that look like me? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, that's the reason why we went to St. Andrews. And she purposely looked for a Christian school mm-hmm. that was diverse where I would be able to fit in because I just really struggled to feel included. Really? Yeah. What what type of bullying did you go through when you was um? It was quite class? racist bullying, to be fair. They used to call me digestive biscuits, the chocolate cans. And the thing is, obviously now looking back at it, you laugh, but back then I hated it and they didn't want to sit next to me. They used to say that um, I looked like poo. I'm like, oh, if something, if someone farted, oh, it must be Nadine. She's the one that looks like poo. So they'd say stuff like that, which made me That's feel obviously wild. different. 
That is wild. I don't even remember Kiss Chase. It's so random, but like we used to play Kiss Chase and in no primary school. That's so weird. I know it's a weird thing to play yeah, in yeah. primary school, but yeah, no one would chase me. Yeah, yeah. no one would chase <laughs> me. All chase all the... <laughs> I know it won't bother me. I don't know why I am. Because I was a black girl. No, no, no. No, no, no one used to chase me, but I used to. So I feel my pain. <laughs> I used to run around and just act like someone was chasing me and no one was chasing it's me. Insane. Oh my God. <laughs> we, we were like minded back then too. I used to run around too thinking, oh, yeah, it's because they can't chase me. No, they didn't want me. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, it was it was weird for me actually comes to Andrews because I remember I got shocked because remember I went to New Life which was a, a kind of private black school yeah then I went to Parish Church which was a bit more mixed and definitely much more white than I, I came from so I had a culture shock backwards mm. than you had one maybe yeah maybe I was like oh, I was like oh <laughs> like. I had never been exposed, sorry, this sounds so ignorant, to having non-black friends, mm. like, before New Life. So it was very shocking to me, like, when I went to a school with more diverse people. But, um, so, with all of that being said, when you came to St Andrews, what was that experience like for you when you came? Obviously, you saw different people that was that looked like you. Do you think it made a difference to your educational experience? I feel like, looking back now, I would have preferred to have stayed in <laughs> and network with the finest. You never know, I might even be higher up than Google if I stayed on that journey. so much. <laughs> um, and to be honest, it, it was a struggle for me at, at, during the first few years because as mentioned, I didn't sound like people. Yeah. Um, as you know, kids can be mean mm. and everyone made it very clear that I was different. And then obviously, second to that, not to obviously go deep into things, but the colorism aspect as well. Like all of the different mm. shadest comments that were made towards me being a dark skinned female, it just made me feel rejected. Yeah, by black people. I was like, oh my gosh, so now black people are being mean to me. I had white people mm. being mean to me, now black people are being mean to me. Obviously, mm. it was just at the beginning, it wasn't as, it, it, it didn't progress on to like year eight, nine, 10, 11. Mm. Um, but early stages, I definitely mm. felt it. Mm. So, how, okay. How would you suggest... So how would we raise our kids, actually? We're, we're going to have kids soon. Don't worry. Load in. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, right. It's pending. It's pending. <laughs> right. So if... I'm presuming that we probably want our kids to go to private schools, yeah. right? So with that being said, with the challenges that they, they might face from not even just, I guess, other races, from their own races, mm. what type of advice would you give to children and also any like young youth that are in school right now or even in colleges or in any type of environment where they're different and they're feeling like there's colorism and there's racism like how would you suggest that they look after themselves and react and respond to what's going on yeah that's a very good question um i definitely feel like the first thing that i would advise my younger self is to believe in your source mm. i feel like black kids our parenting, we're very much raised to be strong mm. and not to really focus on dealing with our emotions. Like, I'll mm. get over it, grow mm. up. Mm. We're meant to be very mature at a young age. Mm. And I, would, I don't want to burden my child with the same pressures. I mm. want them to let me know when they feel weak. Let me mm. know when they're crying. Let me know when they're hurting mm. so that we can do all we can to make mm. sure that that's being addressed. Mm. So, yeah, the first thing is obviously um, believe in your source. But the second thing is to be very vocal when things aren't going right. Mm. I used to suppress loads of things that was going on at, at school and pretend to my mum that everything was fine when I was hurting inside. Mm. And that definitely impacted my mental well-being. And another thing as um, a black community that we are addressing, but it's taken us time, 
is looking into other ways outside of our faith and outside of other sort of treatments to help in terms of our mental health. Mm. So we're, we're doing things where we're going to see therapists, for instance. Mm. We're, we're talking about the fact that we could be depressed about certain things. Mm. And mm -hmm. I think the fact that this is now a, a focal topic is important and something that we need to continue to encourage when we have our own children. Mm. So yeah, so believe in your source, being able to also vocalise when you're not feeling okay, mm. but also addressing some of the ways which make you feel like you're not good enough. Like, I wish I was a lot more confident and stood up to my bullies. Like, mm. I, I don't think it's right for someone to put you down and mm. continue to be saying nasty things towards you and then you don't do anything about it. Am I saying mm. that you should punch them up? No. Like, I'm not <laughs> saying take it to the playground to fight, but I do feel but. like you should, you should question it. She'd be like, okay, so why do you feel the need to tell me that I look like shit or I look like X, Y, and Z? Like, how does that make you feel? Like, what do you get from that? What do you get from putting people down? Mm. I want to encourage my, my kids to make sure that they stand up for themselves mm. and not shy away when there's mm. bullies that want to attack them for no reason. Mm. And let's face it, like, in, in working environments as well, you have the bullies. The bullies don't. Yeah. The bullies grow, you know. They're still there. Different ways. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, what... I guess we're jumping a little bit because we need to go for, obviously go through a journey, but... What are some of the ways that you feel like you have witnessed, seen or experienced even bullying in the workplace? So I feel like bullying is obviously in the workplace is very, in my case anyway, being in the corporate setting, it's more indirect and it's something that you mm. can't point, like pinpoint. Oh, this person said this about me or, or this person um, harmed me in a certain way. It's more like, oh, not inviting you for lunch, for instance. Mm, it's passive aggressive. Yeah, it's very yeah, passive yeah, yeah. aggressive. Yeah. Or, or accidentally not inviting you to a meeting that's yeah, important and yeah. obviously help in terms of your growth. Mm. So, so Leaving all, you out of the loop as well. Leaving not, you out of the loop. And, and then you're just not, yeah. not knowledgeable about something yeah. because you didn't tell me. Yeah. Exactly. Or even like from your manager's perspective, mm. like you're in a meeting, you share an opinion, it's not acknowledged. Mm. Someone else shares it. Everyone's mm. like, oh my gosh, great idea. So it makes you look incompetent and not mm. as good as everyone else in the room. Yeah, so yeah, there's, yeah. there's subtle ways that people are bullying people these days. Yeah. But I still feel the same thing range true, like address it. Like I've had instances where my colleagues have purposely left me out of meetings. I've messaged them with mm. everyone in the team mm. and I've asked them to give me a reason as to why I wasn't invited to that meeting. I've told them the reason why I should be there and why I'd add value. Mm. And I've said moving forward, I'd want to be involved in that meeting and mm. let me know if that is going to be an issue. Yeah. So by addressing it head on, having everyone in that forum as well, mm. they're not able to do that again. And yeah. they also have to justify their actions. And yeah. most of the time it don't make no sense. Yeah, they're just yeah. being mean. And <laughs> I think, I think as well, um, there's, it's a weird, it's a weird one because I think previously I've accepted bullying yeah. in the workplace because I wanted to be accepted regardless, like yeah. however it is. And I didn't want to call, rock the boat or cause any problems because I didn't feel like I belonged there anyway. So I thought mm. if, you know, if it, if, I, if I belong here and you're from here and you decide to bully me, then cool, whatever. But actually what I've learned is better for you to be respected than liked. Agreed. Like even if someone doesn't like me, you will respect me. Yeah. Like that is, and, and I think that you gain respect by having those honest conversations, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I guess what you're touching on is, is imposter syndrome, which mm. a lot of black females, black males in corporate experience, because we don't really see role models in our organisations. We don't see that many black mm. leaders. And the ones that we do see, at, at the, sometimes they're not accessible. So that you can't mm. reach out to them and they can't be mentors and help guide you along your career journey. Mm. So with the lack of representation, you're bound to feel like you're not good enough. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you've said. Like, 
it's all about what you put out from a work perspective, your productivity. It's not mm. about whether someone likes you or whether you're, you know, going to a roast dinner on a Sunday with them and going skating yeah. with them on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, all of that's nice. And obviously I, I'm all for authentic connections, but I'm not for forced friendships. Yeah. Don't force it. As long as you're bringing your authentic self to work and you're doing everything and you're delivering against those outcomes and tasks that set your aside, mm. then that's all that matters. So how, how would you advise someone that is going through imposter syndrome? And for those that don't know what imposter syndrome is, I would define it, but I want, I want Naz to, to go on and give us a breakdown. What's yeah, imposter syndrome? No, I feel like, um, so for, in terms, obviously it's subjective, right? But I guess like the term in the dictionary and what I'm very much aligned to is feeling of being a phony or being a fraud within a given environment. Mm -hmm. So what that basically then contributes is a feeling of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, especially females in general, respect to a race, mm -hmm. um, feel this way in corporate. Like they get this amazing job and they're just like shocked that they were able to get this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then they, they stress themselves out about, oh my gosh, am I good enough? Am I doing the right work? Am I being recognized for X, Y, and Z? Mm. And ultimately it's just impacting your mental health. Yeah. And in reality, we're all very good at our jobs. There's a reason why that we've, we've been given this opportunity, mm. but because of our insecurities and because of the lack of representation within that given organization, mm. you feel like you're gonna be the one that's not gonna be recognized and not good enough in comparison mm. to your peers. Yeah. So that's the way that I define imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So how would you say, I guess, it's best to tackle that feeling or feeling like an imposter syndrome because it's a it's a weird one because if you feel because sometimes this is going to be really weird to a lot of people as well yeah. i've actually also felt this feeling amongst all black groups as well yeah have you do, you do you know what i mean like if if i've gone to like an all black networking event sometimes i felt like oh, i don't fit in here as well like I, I don't know i've had that feeling so it's not just even about race or color sometimes you just have that feeling that you don't fit in that you you don't belong here how do you tackle that feeling i feel like it's very much down to your personality i know those who are introvert probably wouldn't do what i'm about to suggest <laughs> but, one, but one of the one of the but I've got advice for the introverts as well. So one thing that I would do at a networking event, like the example you shared, is force yourself to make connections. Now, I'm not saying you should force friendships, mm. but you're there at a networking event for a reason. You're there to build connections, right? And learn from people within your industry. Mm. So, so you take the lead in terms of going up to people and saying, hey, my name's Alicia. I work at X, Y, and <laughs> I work at X, Y, and I work at Depop. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Like, by initiating conversation, that helps in terms of breaking the ice. Mm. Whereas someone who might be introvert and may not feel confident enough to go up to a random stranger, mm. they're at an event, you've got LinkedIn, you know their name, reach out to them and send a person, like a private message. Mm, mm. Because then you're not putting yourself in an awkward um, position. Yeah. And you're sending a message that either respond or not respond. And most likely they're gonna respond. They're gonna yeah. remember you from the event. Yeah. So I feel like basically starting that initial interaction is one of the first steps you can take. Also, one of the things that I struggle with is being the first person to share my opinion on certain mm. things. Especially in meetings as Especially well. Especially in meetings. Yeah. But if you think about it, five minutes into a given meeting, you may have a thought, but then one of your colleagues may say the same thing and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I wish mm. I thought of that. Mm. So clearly your thought is 
good mm, and it's something mm, that will be resonated in a positive manner mm, but because of our confidence yeah, we fear like oh it's going to be rejected yeah no don't be one of those bystanders don't be someone that's just in the room listening yeah be someone that actually sets the contributes as well and contributes do you know what i find as well like i get awkward in meetings where this happened actually the other day like recently mm. when i'm sharing an idea but people's faces are <laughs> they're like what are you saying like what (laughs) let me make sense of this so that that happens sometimes um where do you give advice when 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 someone is contributing but the people in the room are not receptive to what they're saying do they just continue and stand strong or do they like what's what's your advice so i don't do that i'm very much a challenger in meetings like that Mm. so i have that with clients where i'm proposing the solution and they're looking at me like what is she talking about (laughs) So then I'm like, I want to ask them whether they understand it. So the first yeah. question I ask is, does that make sense? Yeah. How have you inferred what I've said? Mm. Um, the second thing I'd say is, do you agree with this? Or is there an alternative way that you would look at this? Because mm. I want to understand their thought process. Mm. And then I'll take in what they say and then come up with another solution, which combines mm. both of our mm. opinions and interests. Mm, mm. So I feel like asking questions and actively listening is the key there. Yeah. Because even though you might be saying something that's compelling and mm. strong, you may not be articulating it in a way that they understand. Mm. So by questioning them and understanding why their faces are like that, then you'll be able to get a better understanding of, okay, so this is their thought process. Let Mm. me adapt my communication so that they understand it. Mm, mm, mm. That's really, really good advice, you know. Mm. I feel like I've just... um, (laughs) Just carry on chatting. Plodded on with my idea and be like, yep, so this is what I think. This is how we do it. And you're going to agree. I'm joking. um, Okay, cool. So so just going back to school days. So what... Naz, what did you want to be when when you was in school? Well... (laughs) Let me think, what do I want to be? Gosh, that's an interesting question. I think it changed depending on the educational institution that I was in. So St. Andrew's times, Mm. I feel like I wanted to be like an astronaut or just, (laughs) I know, just just something (laughs) random. Because I just heard that they were earning like 400K a year. And I was like, ooh. No, the always after the money. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was always a hustler from day. I was always looking for, how can I make money? And I, I definitely thought, yeah, let that go, was it. Let me go to space. Yeah, no, nah, I thought that was a bit of me still. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, the first, I, honestly, I was like the first black woman on the moon. Nadine Horton. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'll be in the history books. <laughs> Gosh, she's so crazy. Yeah, so, so, so NASA was definitely on my radar. But okay, but you gave that a miss. Yeah, but. I gave that a miss. Like when I was in um, college, I went to Rygate. Um, I, I don't know why, I was watching a lot of CSI Criminal Minds and I was just very obsessed with abnormal behaviour. So mm. I was like, ooh, psychology's my thing. Maybe I can just get into like a psychiatry or mm. clinical psychologist role and do something there. Um, but weirdly enough, when I actually started learning about psychology and started actually hearing about the different types of demographics in mental health institutions and how there's a disproportionate amount of black people there in comparison to other races. Mm. I had a secondary passion to help my community. Mm. So one of the main things that I wanted to do when I was in uni studying psychology is to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist mm. that didn't enforce ethnocentric biasism. And for those who don't know what ethnocentric biasism is, it's basically um, medical professionals that will basically summarize someone's condition based on their own cultural norms. 
So by doing that, they'll have obviously a Western way of growing up, for example, to say someone that's been born and raised in the UK, they may not know what it's like to live in Africa or to live in Dubai or to live in Cuba, for instance. And because of the increase in immigration in the UK, there's gonna be loads of different patients from different cultural backgrounds that they're diagnosing and basing whether they are sane from their own ethnic backgrounds or cultural backgrounds and mm. not taking into consideration the fact that they've come from different countries or different norms. Mm. So, so one thing that I wanted to do, considering that there is obviously a rise in black people in the mm. UK, is to be more agnostic and be a psychologist that actually helps our community. Mm. But as Alicia said, <laughs> where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides. Listen, I gave my fair juice. I worked in the NHS as a psychology assistant, you know, long, did my like, bits. Yeah. For a year and a bit, actually, even after uni, I still continued to volunteer because I felt like I felt like I had a passion. I even um, applied for a postgrad at St. George's to do a medical um, degree and then obviously do my residency and then become a psychiatrist. And definitely was going in the right direction. My mum was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a daughter. Uh, that's a doctor. But I thought about studying for five years after my four years at Brunel and an additional two years in my residency. And I was like, nah, <laughs> where the money was Yeah, had. yeah, <laughs> basically. And I know it's awful. Like, and I wholeheartedly respect anyone that was committed and determined to pursue a career in the medical field, but it just wasn't for me. But it's not too late though. Like I've, I, I feel like people have this idea that you can do one career your whole life. No, you don't. You mm. can, people start again all the time or they, once you get to a place where you have, you know, your money, your houses, your assets, and you say, do you know what? I feel like taking some time out to study because I can afford it. You yeah. might get to that point and then you might do that later on. But weirdly, it's more, I, I wanted to do it more because of my passion versus because I wanted a career in it and I'm very content with my career now mm. so what I do now is a lot of volunteering and giving back so mm. I'm like a volunteer youth leader for the Croydon Refugee Children's Services mm. where we obviously develop workshops around safeguarding and so forth mm. so so I'm giving back in that sense and I feel like at the moment that's good enough for me mm. because I, I'm very happy with where my career is heading within tech and I wouldn't mm. want to then derail it and then go into another industry when I'm already doing something yeah, yeah. that I'm passionate about outside of work anyway. Yeah, 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 got you. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about, <laughs> we've had some jobs where, we've had some jobs. Interesting jobs. Um, be before we get onto the jobs, you've been so money orientated. <laughs> no, like it's good because, you know, it's inspired, it's great to have like a really, like my best friend, like my sister, like so money orientated because it motivates me as well. Why are you so money, like what's the reason? I feel like it's my dad, you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I feel like it's him. I'm, I'm my, like, as much as, you know, like me, I'm definitely my, my father's daughter. He was very ambitious and driven. Um, he didn't come from privileged upbringings. He mm. came during the Windrush era. His, his parents came um, to Wolverhampton and had him. And when all else failed, he managed to get out of that community and become very successful. He studied maths at Oxford University. Go on, Daddy. Yeah, yes. like he's then a VP at multiple like banks and now he's got his own financial business. And I feel like his determination and drive to always be better has mm. definitely been something that I've inherited. Mm -mm. So I can't explain my need to want to always try and elevate myself, mm. but I very much give him mm. <laughs> that accountability in terms of, the fact that from young, he's told us, you need to work harder than everyone else. Mm. You need to make sure that you're in a better financial position than your me and your mum is and so forth. Mm. So I think it's mainly that. Mm. Are you gonna tell the, your, your, your kids the same thing as well? Yeah. 
<laughs> of course he will. He's like, you need to make some money. Yeah. I'm like, how am I going to make money off you? Listen, I feel sorry for my kids if they are pretty, pretty. Because, listen, I'm going to be pampers. Hey. Mother care, hey. Any baby modelling gigs because I've got some beautiful little kids here that, you know, I can make some money off. I better hide my kids, boy. I'll start giving better. These people like, come. Yeah, come be like, oh, every weekend. Oh, let's see, let me look after the kids. <laughs> a little I, side hustle. And then I see them on a the billboard. Yeah, I'll be like, would. nice, what's this about? <laughs> <laughs> you would 100% do that. <laughs> <laughs> you be like, listen, I got, I got something to tell you, okay? Don't be mad. I'll split the profits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I'm not gonna lie. You know, you know. I'm yeah, down. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you got them some modelling jobs. Take them. Yeah. Take them away. <laughs> but um, cool. Nah, I love that. So, who who would you say are your greatest inspirations? Like in life, they can be someone you know, or don't know, or they can be dead. Give me a Hmm. Okay. In terms of someone who is unfortunately dead, mm. um, I would say Rosa Parks. Okay. Only because I feel like she she didn't conform to the norm. Mm. I like the fact that when she didn't want to move, <laughs> she want to move. That's, no, that's a you thing. Yeah, that's I, why she said like no, and I exactly said the same thing. No, I ain't moving. So, <laughs> so I admire the fact that she kept her ground because mm. in life, especially in these this day and age, there's yeah. going to be constant obstacles thrown our way. We're going to be told to be put into a specific box that we potentially may not want to be in, mm. and we should be. A, in our own free mind and have our own free will to say no yeah. and do what we what we please and what we want to do. So very much Rosa Parks. Um, mm. The second one, really, you know, someone asked me about this the other day, but I would say Serena Williams, only because I've watched... Okay. I watched <laughs> That's random, but yeah, um, okay. It, okay, it, you, you may think it's random, yeah. but obviously I, I, I watched the film with Will Smith and mm. I've also been um, just looking into her journey. Mm. And you know it was her sister Venus who was set to be the star. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But and obviously she got all the limelight, she got all the training, but in the background, Serena continued to train. Mm. She didn't she didn't take no for an answer. She mm. wanted to succeed. Mm. And ultimately she did. Mm. She was obviously the greatest tennis player of all time for mm. many years. Mm. So I admire her determination. Mm. And I feel like because I'm someone that is determined to want to do well. Mm. I vibes and I, I feed off that kind of energy. Mm. So that's why I definitely see her as a living role model. Mm. Um, and then in terms of people who I actually interact with and engage with, to be honest, I'd say I'm very much, I don't know, like really proud of you. I don't want to get all Aww. soppy and be like, oh my gosh, because you're my best friend, I'm saying that. I'm not doing that because I feel like you are a hustler in a sense where you don't just focus on one revenue stream. You look at various different business ideas and you try and make it work. Like you do eyelashes. <laughs> you got your black create connect group. You got your recruitment consultancy services. Yeah. I don't want to say too much because at least you've got loads of businesses. Like, hey, I don't want people taking my ideas. No, but I fine. admire the fact that you're not just going to settle for just one thing. Yeah. And like this year specifically, I really want an additional income. I've been very much reliant on my corporate job. And don't get me wrong, I'm very satisfied with what I get from there. Mm. But I do feel like it's good to have your own independent wealth. Mm, mm, mm. And I feel like with general generational wealth, with all these people starting up their own businesses, and with you actually being successful in multiple different areas, just mm. someone that I can learn from. Babes, thank you. That really means a lot to me. <laughs> no, it does. No, 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 no come on, because I was I wasn't expecting that. I thought you were gonna say gonna say something, I don't know, teacher, Miss Willis or some or so, someone yeah, like that. Miss, I don't know. Miss Willis is alright. <laughs> I look at her, you know, Facebook now and then. She's she's doing alright still, but no, you. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you, guys. But um 
Likewise as well. That's why I've obviously I've brought you on here because I think you're killing it. And I mean, I, I need I need to talk about our hustles, like the crazy our yeah. crazy hustles. <laughs> no, the, the, you know the ones we really can't mention. There's some that's not for the podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's some that, that that is for the podcast. Are you McDonough? <laughs> we worked at National Fair together as well. Yeah, we did. I can say it now freely. I used to drink behind that bar all the time, and I, when I, <laughs> I can say that now. <laughs> I used to drink behind the bar too, and so did everyone else. Everyone used to from morning. <laughs> what are you having in that cup? I said coffee. These times it's a little mulled wine. I loved it. <laughs> it's a little, little, little mulled wine. Honestly, that's a, that's it was National Fair that made me, made me start drinking. Yeah, you know? National Fair and made me find out about something your blog. I was like, what's that? Yeah, Moscato. Yeah, and a little Merlot. Gin and tonic. Yeah, that's where Bloody what Mary. Yeah, Bloody Mary. <laughs> I was like, what's a Bloody Mary? <laughs> we used to we we worked hard. Yeah. Uh, how how what's the most amount of jobs that you had at one time? I've had three. It was my, like, I think, um, so I was working at National Theatre. I was working at um, Bright Sparks, oh, which yeah. is an events company at Listen I used to work at. Mm. And then I was also obviously working at the NHS. So I was working for St. George's in the media security unit. So I'd finish at four, I'd go to um, my shift at 5 p.m. Um, in Waterloo. And then on the weekends, I'd have Bright Spark events. No. So that was mad. We used to hustle, Yeah, we know. did. Like, Plus student, we had student partners too. I know, but we that were greedy. Like, that wasn't enough for us. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, <laughs> we, we, we wanted to get to Dubai. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Miami yeah. And, and Napa and, and Napa, Zanti and yeah. all these places and you know what I have no regrets nor do I like yeah I would do it all again same yeah like no regrets like for, for those I don't know I feel like this generation is a bit more princessy mm. it feels like it I don't know I could be wrong but for those that are young like in their you know uni years whatever work really hard and enjoy in the summer go yeah. go fly away with your friends and have a good time because those are like countless I agree like do what you can before you have commitments and you have a family Mm. to look after if you have the money and the time to go on holiday enjoy Mm. it because Mm. life is so short Mm. and you don't know what's going to come your your way and potentially burden you and and you may not be able to travel so when you're in a place where you actually can just enjoy yeah honestly do you know what I have to say this is a confession I don't think Nads knows this yet but I was really 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 distraught when I couldn't go to the same uni as you like that broke my heart really yeah I didn't get the right grades guys I had to go to Hertfordshire but Nadine was smart Nadine these times no I never forget I never forget when our A-levels came out and I thought we was playing together (laughs) I thought me and Nadine were having a ball and I'm here getting these average grades and Nadine's getting ace a A A. I said, I want it. Nadine, you were mad smart. You're still smart now. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> but no, but you were like crazy and, and smart. And I was so upset that I couldn't go uni with you. How was how was it not going uni with me? <laughs> you know what? No, no, no. You know what? I was I was really upset as well. To be honest, I don't even know why I even went to now I'm thinking about it, I don't know why I went to Bruno Uni. Now one thing I think I do regret is going obviously I love going to Bruno Uni because of the friendships and social aspects that I made, but I could have mm. gone to a better uni still. You could have <laughs> gone to a better uni still, but it hasn't it hasn't obviously impacted me career wise. But I definitely felt upset because me and you have very much been yeah. the Dean and Alicia show. We didn't go to the same college, but obviously we, you know, stayed with each other. We were always with each other outside yeah. the college. So we thought, oh, uni, this will be an opportunity for us to yeah. be away from our families, have fun, do a madness, together. Do a madness. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately it didn't happen. But 
obviously I visited her a lot in Harper's yeah. Uni. She came over to ours. Yeah. We had joint parties. So we, we did. And then and, time. and I remember when um, we used to, when there was like the uni events, like Barfair. Yes. And, um, Amsterdam. Amsterdam yeah, weekend. And um, Wickedest, Wickedest, was it? Or just, you know, the uni fresher yeah, race. Yeah, you know. And we used to be like, you hate, you hate. <laughs> we had like this fake who beef. Now, we had this like fake beef. It was like, we're actually the same. Like, you know, it was, yeah. it, it, it was lit. But, um, Alright, cool. So with from uni, right? Getting into like the working world, what what did you want to do again? I just remember you just talking about getting money, but <laughs> like yeah. from from we left uni, I know you worked for the NHS for a bit. Was it? Did you go straight to Foxons? Well, I yeah, I left the NHS because I was like, oh no, too much. And then I went straight to Foxons. Yeah, you're right. So I left National Theatre. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a real estate agent. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Foxons definitely, like, they they know how to advertise their jobs and make it sound like it's the dream. And to be honest, you know what? Probably is for some people. But for me, mm. <laughs> especially, like, in Croydon, I feel like right now, if I was a real yeah. estate agent in Croydon, I'd be laughing. Mm. But back then, Croydon wasn't cutting dry. it. It was dry. No one wanted to rent there. No one wanted to live there. Nothing. It was tiger, tiger. That's all that was there. Honestly. And shush. Yeah. Shush. <laughs> yeah, shush. <laughs> all of those random yeah. bars um, that are now, like, closed. So, so yeah, I just didn't really enjoy it. And the mm. hours were quite long as well. Mm. Um, but I still liked the idea of sales. And it definitely, like, piqued my interest in it. Because, like, oh, I like the fast-paced nature. I like mm. the fact that you can determine your financial success. Mm. Hmm. I just don't know if I like selling houses in Croydon. <laughs> that was the thing. Um, so then obviously that just piqued my interest in other avenues where I could be a salesperson. Mm. And back then tech was still very much in its infancy. Mm. Obviously we had like social media platforms, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Mm-mm. But I saw various different graduate programs. I was like, actually, let me just apply. Like they're paying more than Voxton's, might as well. Mm. And yeah, that's kind of how I got into tech. So let's let's go a bit deeper into how you transition because I feel like a lot of students and a lot of people generally struggle from getting in from like one career to another. Yeah. Like especially from real estate to tech, like that's a jump. Yeah. So like what did you what were the steps that you had to make to successfully get into it? Was it Axiom. It was Axiom, yeah. yeah. I do feel like, okay, I know what you mean in terms of the industries being very different, but there's a lot of transferable skills being mm. a salesperson. You have mm. to have good communication, you have to have high levels of resilience, mm. you have to be target driven, mm. um, and you also have to have the organisational skills too. Mm. So there were quite a few of the basics that mm. I was able to, trans- to transfer over to Axiom. I guess what Axiom were looking for at the time is someone that had a passion for their company, which I displayed. <laughs> in my interview and and your memory is on putting the dean no i remember <laughs> I, I remember being on the train i think with you and you was reading this long piece of paper it was like pages and i was like doing? She's like i'm reading this for like a presentation that i've got to do and i was like okay but you gonna remember this she was like yeah i remember all of it <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie i definitely have a weird memory but it works it's amazing <laughs> it's it, it's like yeah. a, you know it's like a superpower like, for you to actually memorise word for word, like, pages and pages of stuff. I forget what someone texted me, like, two seconds ago, like, in... It's, it's, it's amazing. It's definitely something I've, I've practised. Yeah. Um, everyone def- everyone thinks it's mad that I do that. <laughs> but then they're always surprised that I actually do remember everything. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's something I... Now, it's just natural because I'm always doing presentations at work. So I, I can just quickly pick up things. It's like learning yeah. the script. Yeah. Now I know what it's yeah. like to be an actress. You know, all these different endless scripts that you have to memorise. I think you can do an acting, you know. 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You could 100% done that. If you could memorize a whole, whole paragraph of papers, you could do a whole movie, love. <laughs> but, but, but um, okay, cool. So when you've done the transition, so I know that there's obviously transferable skills. Yeah. But like, did you get advice from any mentors or did you have to change your CV drastically? Did you have the network of certain people? Like what? other steps did you have to take to make that move? So all of that, all the mentoring and CV adapting, that happened afterwards. But in terms of the ax- the Fox and the Axion drum, to be honest, it was very, very simple. Um, obviously, you have to tailor your CV to a job, right? You have to make sure it very much is attractive and appealing and um, whoever you're trying to apply for, mm. like they feel, okay, these skills very much align with the role. Mm. But because it was a graduate program and I just kind of finished from uni, yeah. They, didn't, they weren't really looking for someone who had experience in tech. Yeah, they were yeah. just looking for a graduate. And the fact that I have sales experience was a bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what made, I, I remember my manager specifically saying what made me stand out versus the other graduates is at the end of the interview, I was like, look, I want the job. You know what, it's, it's actually awful. Like I was, my hands were going everywhere. You know, I'm very like yeah, energetic. Very and then I like, my, my hand hit the glass and it went all over my manager. And I was like, oh, and he was like, oh. So I didn't think I even got to through the first round, but he said he found me very like funny. He said, like, we needed your energy. We don't have energy like yours in the company. And I can see that you would do a good job. And I can see that you wanted this. Yeah. And then throughout my career at Axiom, like, it, like, it, it rained true. Like, I, I very much was an overachiever. I was able to deliver against outcomes. I was able to easily hit my targets and I left a good impression there. Um, how, how? Like what, like, what type of things did you do? For, again, for people that want to go yeah. into a workplace and do well and leave a good impression, like, what tips would you Yeah, give? yeah. So I feel like, um, I think the first thing that you need to do when starting a new job is networking, right? You need to make sure that Obviously, your team know who you are, but people mm. outside of the team know who you are too. Mm. And that's as easy as while people are making coffee at the coffee stand, just saying, hi, my name's Adine, I've just joined the company. Mm. It'd be great to put 30 minutes of time in with you so I can understand more about your role and how we work together. Mm. So, so networking and building rapport with your colleagues is mm. extremely important. Mm. Um, the second aspect is thoroughly understanding the job. Mm. Don't feel like you can't ask a stupid question. Mm. No question is stupid in your first six months, mm. <laughs> even in your first year. So mm. don't feel like- Ever oh, really? Yeah, or ever. Yeah. yeah, actually, to Alicia's mm. point. And I feel like, because obviously we've been given this great opportunity, we're excited. Even like, oh, where do I photocopy paper? So, or, you know, yeah. like, or scan paper, like something so trivial. Yeah. Ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't spend half an hour trying to figure it out because you're wasting time. Yeah, yeah. Have, you, have you done it before? Like, probably years, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've probably done, done like silly things where yeah. I could have just asked and in the space of five minutes that would have been done. Yeah. But when you're new and you want to impress, you want to feel like you're confident and you know everything. And, yeah. and that's not the case. Like, it's okay to tell people that you're learning and you're struggling, you need help. Mm. So yeah, so obviously first thing is to network and make sure you build your connections. The second thing is ask loads of questions. Mm. Um, the third thing is understand how success is going to be measured. Mm. So obviously there's gonna be probation periods. Sometimes you're lucky enough not to get probation. There's been companies mm. where I haven't had the probation, but usually there's a probationary period and there's various different KPIs that you need to hit in order to succeed and pass that probation. Mm-hmm. Make sure that that's set from the get-go, mm-hmm. but also have milestones in place where you're reviewing your performance and your productivity with your manager. If your manager doesn't put weekly one-to-ones in, you put it in his diary mm-hmm. or her diary. Yep, yep. <laughs> you make sure and you be like, okay, so this week I did X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. How does this meet your expectations? Mm-hmm. What else could I be doing for the following week? Mm-hmm. So, so have that in place. And I feel like, to be fair, once you've got those three things, 
then you're fine. Mm. I guess like a fourth factor that isn't as important, see it as an optional, but is to not just do what is within your workload. Mm. Try and think of other projects that you can get yeah. involved in. Because by doing that, people recognize you beyond what you're what you've been contracted to do yeah hundreds and, and that will help in terms of career progression moving into different teams and so yeah. forth yeah hundreds do you know what that's a common theme that a lot of my my guests say when they come on they say do things outside of your job responsibility yeah and i feel like there's a fine line between overworking yourself and doing what you're not paid to do and then doing things outside your job responsibility yeah i feel like there's like a there's like a sweet spot timing do you know what i mean definitely because because sometimes i've seen people in workplaces overwork and not be compensated for it and they're just they get tech for idiot yeah <laughs> like and there's some people that do it and it's like oh you're you're ready for promotion or progression where would you say that sweet spot is like how would you know when to start doing those things and if there isn't any um i guess progression or any recognition for the extra work you're doing when would you say to address that or to stop I, okay, so to your first question about starting certain things, mm. make sure that you're doing your current work. <laughs> first, first. <laughs> yeah. If you've got emails that you need to apply to, be like, oh, no, I want to help with this project. No. Respond to those emails yeah, first. Yeah. And also, check with your manager if it's okay. Mm. Because your manager obviously wants to feel like they're taking accountability of you. Mm. And sometimes by you doing the extra things and going the extra mile... You may feel like you're doing a good job, but your manager might be like, hold on, but I want you to do this. Mm. So align with your manager in terms of those plans. And once he gives you the thumbs up or she gives you the thumbs up, mm. uh, then figure out what, how you want to contribute towards that project. But also make sure you don't feel overloaded by it. Mm. We only have a given time frame within a day to do work. And I definitely feel like you should work efficiently versus working extra hours mm. just to try and prove your worth and get that recognition because mm. you're ultimately just going to burn out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in terms of your second question around getting recognition for your work, mm. well, I think you should vocalise it. So mm. say, for instance, you work on the project. So I've worked on projects. Mm. I've then sent an email to my team saying, I've worked on X, Y, and Z. <laughs> no. I love it. 100%. I love it. Yeah, and, I've achieved, and I've achieved 50% in revenue. Yes. And then nice. everyone then responds to you. Or you can say to your manager, because I'm sure there's all hands within your companies or yeah. team meetings. Say to your manager, you know what? I think this project is done really well. Yeah. I've contributed towards this. I would love to share my learnings to the team because I think that they can also yeah. progress by doing something like this. Yeah. And then in that forum, present your work. Mm -hmm. So, but present it as a way that's a value to that team though. Mm. Don't present as if it's, oh, me, 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 this is what I did. Mm -hmm. Just be like, I was able to result to um, achieve delivering this outcome for a client. Mm. The reason why I think this is beneficial for you is because you could follow that same framework and then you could also increase your um, revenue across the other yeah. clients that you work across. So as long as it's benefiting everyone else, then of course they're going to be able to acknowledge that and be like, okay, great, she's doing a good job and also yeah. I can copy that. That's some really, really good advice, Naz. Mm. Yes, Naz, she's available hey. for one-to-one -one bookings, <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> but, um, but, uh, and, and speaking gigs as of today. Um, anyway, so I was going to ask you a question in regards to, you, you said something and it's, I've lost my mind now in regards to... Um, oh, how has it gone past my head? <laughs> I just got distracted. <laughs> So <laughs> that's distracting. Isn't it? That's the first one that's that's distracting me. Usually, I'm on point. But anyway, I'll come back to that point if I remember about it, <laughs> about doing things outside your job role and stuff. But also another thing I was gonna add on to doing things outside your job role, as well as aligning with your manager, make sure that. <clears throat> 
whatever you whatever project you want to work on i think should align with the wider business objectives mm. because some because i've made this mistake where i've wanted to go into a business and i've wanted to work on something and work on a project and it's not necessarily a priority or doesn't align with the current business objectives yeah. and as much as it might be beneficial for the business they have uh they have to align on what they're going to be putting resources in so that's time and money so if you're spending time on something that's not a business priority that's cons- considered more of an inconvenience than a convenience so yeah that's why it's important to kind of align with your manager and everything yeah as well so cool so what other teachings would you say you've kind of learned? Apart, is there anything else that you that you want to share to, and especially as especially as a black woman as well? Yeah. Do you mean just in, in relation to settling into a company or settling like, into a company, like establishing yourself? You know. Yeah. Um. So some of the other learnings that I've also learned is it's not just your internal network that will enable you to thrive. Mm. You need to also work on your external profile too. Mm. So I've learned on. Or the fact that social media is a beautiful thing mm. in terms of scaling who knows you. So it's very important to make sure that your LinkedIn profile is kept up to date and it's professional. Mm. And um, you've got the key skills that you want to basically attract other like companies and jobs for, if that makes sense. Like if you want to come across as someone that's a leader or someone that's a great salesperson or someone that's great in recruitment, make sure those skills are on your profile so that you have the relevant companies reach out to you. Mm. So, so that's one thing that I've definitely learned. Like, social media presence is important and then off the back of that you can then obviously build your external connections by invite if like connect with x y and z and say hey i like your profile i want to um understand like your career journey i want to follow your career journey Mm -hmm. so yeah make sure your internal and your external networking is constantly thriving but also one thing i i have realized recently as well is check in on those connections yeah it's all good and well having a connection that you met two years yeah. ago but then if you reach out to them two years later saying hey there's this job here that i want to apply for they'll be like hold on yeah I who, who are you who are you yeah, yeah. So, so make sure that you're constantly um engaging with whoever you want to connect with that you feel will benefit you yeah. and from an internal perspective that could be a thought-provoking like article that you know they'd be interested in and say, oh, I, f- I saw this article and I thought of you. Let's discuss yeah. it. Let's go for lunch and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, or ask them for their advice. People love yeah, giving advice. They love Make it. them feel important. Just be like, <laughs> oh, you know, I've got this like, I've got this client presentation or I've got this review of my manager. I really want your support on this. Mm. Let's go for lunch. Let's go for an after work drink. Get the little social Touch butterflies flowing. You have to you have to build that level of rapport in mm. order to develop that trust and the willingness for someone to help. Mm. But but as as well it's not like a take 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 relationship there's something that you need to also give back Mm. so I always feel like there should be a mutual exchange with the connections that you have in place as much as you're helping them Mm. and they're helping you like Mm. it needs to continue being that like circular relationship yeah Yeah. um so yeah I definitely feel like that's important and of course like from an external perspective on LinkedIn just like everyone's posts comments (laughs) um if someone gets promoted be like oh congratulations (laughs) even if it's someone's birthday LinkedIn tell you when there's people's birthdays message them say oh happy birthday interact basically with everyone yeah but also on that note just so everyone knows, there are going to be people on LinkedIn that you do connect with, that you might even meet up with, and because it's happened to me as well before, and they don't re-engage with you on the topic that you've already originally spoke, spoken spoken about, mm. or they don't 
yeah, they they just don't really interact with you and they don't owe you that because sometimes you might take it personal. It's not in their priorities for them to communicate with you because it happens sometimes, like keeping it 100. It's not great. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm guilty for that sometimes. My, <laughs> no, it's true. My, it true. my inbox is full. I like, imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's like I get people asking me stuff all the time and it's not because um, I, I don't care about you. I'm not being... Um, I don't like you or anything. It's because... Disclaimer, it's because it's literally currently not a priority. It sounds really harsh, but it's the truth. So that's, that's just a, that's a disclaimer. So just bear that in mind when you are communicating. Figure out how you can, if you really want to connect with someone, how you can be a priority in communicating with them. Do you know what I mean? I can completely agree. And also that actually leads on to another point because... As Alicia mentioned, sometimes getting back to people when you've had a long day at work mm. is not a priority. I think it's really important to love your own time. Mm-hmm. And don't feel like you have to say yes to everything. Yeah. Like, I think before, especially early in our careers, and yeah. we spoke about it earlier on, like, we felt a need to be socially accepted. Beyond just our workload, we wanted to be invited to the after-work drinks mm. and so forth. But as we've experienced, um, like, being in corporate for a couple of years now and developing in our roles, we definitely think it's more important to actually have hard work ethic Mm -hmm. and be respected versus the most liked person in the room yeah so with that you don't don't feel obliged to have to always do things to please people Mm. your time is precious so when you want to cut when you want to enjoy your own personal life go yeah when you can't be asked to apply to people on linkedin because you know you've got other things going on your personal life don't yeah like don't feel like you have to say yes to everything yeah yeah, because you're just gonna burn out yeah exactly exactly you have you have to be selective like and if you find this is my rule of thumb if you find that a lot of people are coming to you about the same thing charge for it Mm. <laughs> she told me this yeah because people have been messaging Pete, me and i'm like oh my god no nads <laughs> has helped holly for people get she might as well be you could be a recruiter if all else at this rate yeah if all else fails nads can be a recruiter because nads has helped so many people get jobs has, has helped so many people with their cvs restructuring their personal branding and stuff and she does do one-to-one bookings now <laughs> because it's she, she does and she will actually help you especially if you, if you were to put yourself out there and say you can help in a specific field what what would that be like what type of roles and what type of industry i feel like so you know this is a good question because i've been thinking about this because i've been wanting to know like consultancy wise what could i do mm. obviously one avenue is um like career development mm. and mentoring and I know that there's a lot of like students that reach out to me saying, hey, I would love to work at Google. What can I do in terms of um, job opportunities and my mm. CV and so forth? So I'd like to help from that respect. But mm. in terms of my actual industry, mm. being like a, a data measurement infrastructure lead now, I definitely feel like in the marketing industry anyway, I don't want to mm. bore people with this topic, but there's like a need for more um, experts when it comes to how to handle data and measurement as all these GDPR implications continue to arise. So going into various different agencies and companies and understanding what their data infrastructure looks like and advising on best practices. That's an additional consultancy arm that I'm looking to explore as well, just based on the experience I've been able to pick up from all these companies I've worked at. Not gonna lie to you, at, at a certain point as he was talking, I said, gobbledygoo-goo-goo, smart I know. Smart, mm. smart people stuff. Sorry, I don't want to No, gets into all these technicalities and all these dictionary <laughs> words and I'm like, oh fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. She she put over for client, you know. But um 
in regards to, let's jump a little bit to getting into Google. Cause I think you, you must get a question all the time. Like, you know, I, I'm sure there's only certain things you can say and everything, but what advice would you give to people that want a job in a company like Google or in Google? Like what's, what should they know? Well, I definitely feel like you should apply for a role that very much aligns with your experience. Don't just apply for a role because it's like Google. Like Google want to know what you can bring to them. Mm. Um, bear in mind that uh, of all the applicants, only 0.8% actually get offered a job at Google. So given the amount of people that apply, you need to make sure you're standing out from the crowd. And by doing that, you have to make sure that you're being unique basically being different to all the other candidates that they're bringing or that they're interviewing. But how do they know they're being unique? Like, what's, like, how can they know? That's the thing, like, you can never know if you're being unique <laughs> because I feel like everyone's trying to be unique in their yeah. own way. But I feel like being unique very much comes down to the additional things beyond your job mm. that you can bring to the table. So, like, for instance, me being, obviously being a black female, obviously that's not unique. No, it is unique. <laughs> but, but the fact that, that you know, like... There's not, there's not, they, you know, they're working on it. But obviously there's a, there's a need to increase diversity across all companies. Mm. Um, that definitely helped in terms of me sharing my passions behind improving diversity, being part of leadership boards at, quite, at, at both Adobe and Oracle to try mm. and make sure that we're improving the recruitment process mm. and making sure that more black people get interviewed. That definitely was something that was unique to Google. Like, okay, cool. So she's someone that actually isn't just a vocal person, but gets involved in projects to try and help a company mm. grow. Mm. So so do so any extra extra curricular activities that you're doing where you're showing leadership, where you're showing innovation, creativity, now that's something that could be considered as unique mm. and that you're bringing to an interview. Mm. Um, but obviously outside of that, when applying for a role for like the likes of Google or Facebook or Amazon or whatever, thoroughly understand what they are looking for in that role. Make sure you read and continue rereading mm. that job spec. And then make sure you obviously tailor your CV and align skill sets that mirror what's in that job description. Because mm -hmm. as I'm sure you know, as a recruiter, recruiters probably get loads of CVs on a daily basis. They're not gonna be reading everything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a concise two page CV makes sense. Mm, <laughs> and then like, I feel like even on the first page, like the middle or the upper middle part yeah. of the CV is the most compelling point on Hundreds. where the recruiter resonates. Yeah. So make sure your relevant experience is right at the top. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, she's got project management experience. She might be suitable for this role. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, so, so that's obviously one of the main things. And also make sure that your cover letter is compelling too and concise and showcases your passions. Your cover letter is where you can put your unique attributes in actually, because that's where the where you can show your personality, whereas obviously a CV is very much just experience mm. and a list of different experiences. Sorry, and just to chime in right there, Nads, I feel like a lot of people, I, we get that everyone's abilities isn't in writing, because writing, you have to be able to communicate your skills by writing yeah. isn't everyone's skills. Hence why you have people that go to, to people for help. Even if you don't come to one of us for help, go to people in your current network, family, mm. friends, and ask them to help you write your CV. It's okay. And if, if, you, if you were to go to a recruiter and if they said, did you get help writing this? It's okay for you to say yes. Or it's none of their business. It doesn't matter. This is your experience and you've artic articulated it in a way for them to call you for an interview. Yeah. And that's what matters. So get help if you need help because that's not everyone's... <laughs> right, sorry. Random, random question. Did recruiters actually say that? Did you get help? Do you know how offensive that is? No, 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 you can't. 
I mean, I, I, I don't ask people because to me, it's none of my business. Like whatever's written on your CV is there and I'm talking to you about it now. Yeah. But, but I'm guessing there's some recruiters that do. Because the thing so is, because I, I, I remember working in the agency and we obviously we see um, CVs all the time. Yeah. And <laughs> the things that recruiters say to each other, not to candidates, and we'd be like, this person didn't write the CV after we've met them. <laughs> so yeah. we'll meet them and be like, they didn't write their CV. That is so funny. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. only because some people, okay, hold on, who ship? If you're going to get someone to write your CV for you and help you, can you at least read your own CV, please? Yeah. Because some people don't read their own CV. That's what, that was another <laughs> point I was going to mention. In an interview, they're going to ask you questions yeah. based on your CV. Thoroughly read your CV. Because if they're asking you, oh, so you so you worked at, um, I don't know, so you worked at Debenhams as a sales manager and you didn't. <laughs> and they're going to ask, like, what skills you picked up? <laughs> You're going to be stuck. Yeah, you're going to be stuck and they're going to quickly know that you yeah. obviously lied on your CV. So yeah. if I already know your CV, that's another point that um, Alicia touched on. I also feel like you should also have an elevator pitch. Mm. You're kind of selling yourself in interviews. Mm. They, they want to know how you can add value. So the elevator pitch very much comes when someone says, tell me about yourself. And people can go left with this answer. Like people mm. can go into a tangent and go into like 10 minutes of describing what they did as a child and then the passions that they picked up in the school and X, Y, and Z, and no one cares. Like you need to make sure that that elevator, that elevator pitch story clearly indicates your passions behind why you're joining that company, clearly showcases your experience and the skill sets that you can bring to that company, but then also talks about your experiences, but in relation to how you can fulfill that role as well. So just make sure that everything that you say is tied back to the role and the additional benefits that you can bring to that company. Wait, hold on, Naz. What was your elevator pitch to Google? I can't really go into too much detail because it's very much... An inter- yeah, I, I don't want to okay, go into okay, too okay. much detail in terms of like the interview process and so forth. Okay, okay, cool. But I can say like from a um, from a basic perspective, obviously the first sentence is obviously your passions behind working for Google, which is a leading tech company. Mm. You'd also talk about your experience working in sales. Obviously I was at Oracle on a day beforehand. So I picked up various transferable um, skills that I could bring to Google. I also very much had the same job at Oracle. So I was working across large clients. They were investing Mm. in multiple solutions. And my job was to increase adoption of those solutions, Mm. also support contract renewals and continue developing on that strategic relationship. So it was a light for like job right, transition. So, so it was quite easy. Yeah, so it, it was quite easy. It was more about the other attributes. So mm. another thing that like these large companies assess you on mm. is um, cognitive behavioral skills. So right. in terms of the elevator pitch, very much nailed that because they, I was clearly just doing the same job, but mm. it's just like Google. <laughs> but there's four different attributes that the likes of Google and Amazon um, probably would assess you on. So obviously first is your leadership skills and they'll ask you questions around how you would lead a team, for instance, or how you mm. would lead a project and so forth. Um, the second attribute is your cognitive abilities. And that's basically looking into your logical reasoning. So they might be like, say I gave you 5 million, how would you improve YouTube? And you, they will basically assess you on how you answer that question. Right, of right. course, we have loads of ideas in terms of how to improve YouTube, but that's not what they're really looking for. They're looking mm. for you to ask questions behind their KPIs, their objectives, who mm. they're trying to engage with, mm. what are some of the factors that are impacting YouTube's growth, and then off mm. the back of that, formulate an idea. Mm. Um, and then, the, obviously, the third aspect is your role-related experience. So that's when they'll ask you loads of questions. And another thing that I wanted to mention is, in all interviews, I very much feel like you should incorporate the star model in your responses 
when sharing an example. What's that? What's so a star, model? a star model is like a technique of answering questions and mm. it's an acronym and it's basically S stands for situation, task stands for the task that you did, activity stands for the activity that you, that you then ex executed and the result is the result of that input and you need to quantify the input. A lot of these large companies will assess you across how you answer an experience question with that star model. An example being, tell me about a challenging time of a client, how were you able to overcome that challenge? Mm. You could say the situation was, the client was unhappy with how this solution was implemented and they were also unhappy with the support service. So I tasked myself with trying to understand why they were unhappy mm. and making sure that I had various different resources and tools in place so that they felt that they were implementing that solution in an effective manner. How I was able to action this, which is where the activity part is, mm. is setting up weekly calls with the client also having cross-team collaboration with the account team and making sure that we're working towards deliverables within a six months time frame. And then in terms of the result, off the back of implementing this solution across that six month given time frame, we then did a quarterly business review or an annual business review where we looked into the results that were achieved off the back of the tasks and the solutions that were implemented. And then the client was so happy that they then invested 20% more in a contract renewal of that year. So, so that's how you handle it in a concise manner. I feel like saying brap, brap, brap. Because that was written, lads, that was sick. I, just kind, of, I kind of definitely made that, that up was, on the spot, but like- No, but, like, no <laughs> but I can tell like, yeah. you're such, you're so good at presenting and talking and thinking quick on your feet as well. Yeah. Are there any techniques that, that you would recommend for people to be able to think quick on their feet and to present well? I feel like you just need to, you need to have your examples. Like mm. make sure you, you have examples in your head. like. Every interview you have enough time to prepare for. You know what they're looking for. You know what mm -hmm. kind of experience they're looking for. So for instance, I will have an example which aligns to a challenge. I will have an example which aligns to um, hitting targets. An example where it comes to, oh, team building. Mm -hmm. Like there's various different key components that an interviewer wants to assess you on. Mm -hmm. So as long as you have those star examples in your head, they'll just come. Mm. And yeah, and then I guess like the last one to mention is, um, especially with Google anyway, they have a Googliness attribute, mm. which is basically, are you a nice person? So mm. they'll ask you about um, diversity inclusion. They'll say, oh, someone's left out out of a team lunch. What would you do to make sure they feel included? Mm. So they're very much about, is this person gonna be a good team player mm. in the organization, which I love. Mm. Um, and I'm sure other companies probably have those same assessments, but yeah, just to summarize, um, you have the leadership, you have the cognitive ability, mm. you have the role related questions, and then you have the, the Googliness, which is like, are you a nice person? So yeah. Um, <laughs> Perfect. So yeah. Everyone that's gonna be applying for jobs at Google now, you're gonna get an influx of hopefully, <laughs> some diverse candidates coming in, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, the last thing I'd mention, I'm sure Alicia would also agree, is follow up. When you have an yeah. interview, make sure that they know you're keen by following up like after 24 hours to say, yeah. hey, great interview. Looking forward to meeting you again. Yeah. Really excited about joining this company and so forth. And, and for candidates that follow up with me, I always see it. I just don't always respond. That's something. <laughs> no, no, I'm being honest. I don't always respond straight away. I respond, actually, I do. I have to clear my inbox. But I don't always respond immediately, but I see it and it, and it does. And, and sometimes I'll quickly forward it to the hiring manager and say, oh, they're so cute. Or like, oh, look at them. You know, we, we, we notice it, we see it. So yeah. definitely, definitely do it as well. Um, 
I guess some other tips for networking. I know you mentioned that if you're in a room and everything, go and say hi and everything to someone. What about in a, for people that don't go to events and they're just at home and they want to just expand their network? Is LinkedIn the only way? Would you recommend anything else? No, like I feel like COVID's definitely opened up opportunities for webinars and mm. podcasts mm. and various different virtual events. So if you are not in a position to travel for face-to-face interactions, that doesn't mean that you can't join an, like a digital forum Mm. or a webinar, you'll have the list of people that are going, like hopefully it's an interactive session. Mm. And then off the back of that, you can follow up. You can then mm. again, like connect with those people. So so there's, I feel like the beauty of obviously social media and all these different digital platforms is that we don't have to be meeting people in person to connect. Yeah. There's various different avenues that we can go down. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Well, Nads, I feel like you've been really informative today. Thank I try. Nads, <laughs> like, this is, I have to say, I'm going to say this publicly. I'm going to get mushy, okay? <laughs> I love mushy. No, 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 no. No, honestly, I love you so much. I know you hate me saying that. No, you, I'm, you, I'm, you hate me no, saying no, that. No, no, I don't hate it, you know. I'm embracing it. <laughs> I love, I'm so, so incredibly, massively proud like i'm so like when you're not there i chat about my friend yeah yeah my, my best friend she went to google you know i don't know for google you know but i say my best friend went to google <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 she's good like, and you're so honestly you're just inspirational you're about to buy a house soon. fingers crossed if hey. anyone's got any advice let me know please because this market is mad <laughs> honestly but i think she's independent beautiful she's smart inspirational and she's like the best friend that I could ever ask for. So I just want to just shout out you and just give a little round of applause to, can you hear that guys? To to, to Nads for just being amazing. How can everyone connect with you? Well, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. (laughs) Um, So it's Nadine Rochelle Horton. Shall I? Spell it out. Spell it out, yeah. yeah sorry, because you can be like, what, how do I spell that? Um, so N-A-D-I-N-E, and then it's R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E, and then it's H-A-U-G-H-T-O-N. So, yep, you can connect with me on um, LinkedIn, of course. My Instagram's private, I'm sorry, but I don't know. It's fine, it's fine. Yeah, this is so a bit Instagram. Sorry about that. But, yeah, LinkedIn it is. Um, <laughs> um, and you know what? Also, you can connect with me on Gmail. So it's actually, again, the Dean Michelle Horton. So hopefully you took note of the spelling at gmail.com. Okay. And feel free to email me and we can have a Google Meet chat if you want. Oh, that's that so sweet. <laughs> it was so, so sweet. All right. Well, thanks so much, Ness, for coming today. I appreciate you so oh, much. Thank you for inviting me. I feel honoured to be yeah. one of the first guests. Hey. hey. And remember, guys, where the money resides. Where, where the, the money resides. Where the money resides. Where the money resides. See you later. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs>